Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We have a special in-depth uh, podcast as we remember Red McCombs. Uh, I'm Josh Brodesky. I'm the editorial page editor with the San Antonio Express News. And we have two really wonderful guests. Uh, we have former city councilman Joe Cryer, who is longtime head of the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. We have Marty Winder, local developer uh, who brought us SeaWorld and is uh, so prominent in our community. And both of you were mentored by Red McCombs. And I thought it'd be really great to talk with the two of you to kind of um, hear more about that mentoring and some of the personal stories that, that you can share about, you know, your relationship with Red and what he meant to, to both in your lives, but also in our community. So thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. You know, uh, you wrote a guest commentary for us where uh, you, you reflect on Red's life. And, and there were a few things that stood out to me about that um, about that co- that commentary. Uh, the first one was, you know, we know about Red's booming voice and his presence that <laughs> loomed over uh, the community, you know. But but you talked about how uh, he invested in people, right? He he saw the good in people and, and he really uh, tried to support people in their careers. And he, and he invested in the two of you in the sense that that he mentored you. And I was hoping that you could just start by talking about um, how you met Red and what that mentorship experience was like. You know, Red uh, was special to me. I moved to San Antonio in 1973 and immediately got active in this community. I'd gotten a little active in Houston when I was there. And you could not be active in this community without getting to know Red McCombs. And I remember going to see him about something. And Red, Red, first thing he wanted to know was, were you somebody who was concerned about making this community a better place? And as soon as he decided that I was. He decided that he was going to be my friend and to help me and to give me advice. And he gave me advice not only while I was a lawyer in San Antonio involved in civic issues, but when I became chamber chamber president, I called on Red all the time to talk about what the chamber was doing, what the community issues were, and to get his advice. And he was always happy to give it. Marty? I met Red. I moved to San Antonio in 1969, and I grew up in Fort Worth. And when I was in high school in Fort Worth, uh, you know, most kids wanted to be baseball players or football players or some athletic. And but I, I kind of crazy. I wanted to be a business person that contributed to the city. I, the people I admired in Fort Worth were the business leadership that made the city different and, and made it, you know, invested in the city. So I got I went to the University of Texas, met my wife, Renee, who lived in San Antonio, and I moved to San Antonio in 1969 and worked in a family business, non-traditional, on the near west side. Um, and Henry Cisneros was a city councilman for the district that our family business was in, so I got to meet him. And he knew I was frustrated because I was sitting on the sidelines, and 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 I saw all the business people that I wanted to be like, you know, I wasn't having the opportunity. And then Henry decided to run for mayor, and I just knew San Antonio was going to take off. I mean, I just knew that was going to be the change of San Antonio. So I left the family business, and Henry introduced me to Red because Red was interviewed Henry for the Good Government League to run for the city council. So they were close, and Red Henry knew how frustrated it was, and Henry knew what I wanted to do, and he introduced me to Red and said, Red, this is a guy who loves this city, and he needs and he wants to make a difference. Will you help him? 
And that's how I met Red McComb. So very early in, in my career, in, uh, in, uh, starting in 1981, did I meet Red and, and, and he, he took off mentoring me. You know, when I reached out to you, Joe, about a possible uh, commentary uh, reflection on Red, you, you mentioned Marty. You said that uh, in many ways uh, Red mentored Marty like a son. And so I wanted to hear more about that because I think people would be interested. You know, people know about the cars and they know about the spurs. But what does that mean to be mentored like a son by someone so successful in business? Well, it, it was interesting. I, I was young, okay, and Red, when, after I met him with Red, uh, met him with Henry, introduced me to him. You know, I started talking, and then and then he met he and Charlene met Renee, and Charlene decided to mentor Renee because both of us, our wives, were key. I mean, you know, Red, you know, he said the best deal he ever made in his life was marrying Charlene. The best business decision I ever made was marrying Renee. And so Red and I had a lot in common. And so as as Renee, as Red mentored me, uh, Charlene, you know, did Renee. And Red, the funny thing is, Red, being a car dealer, was a horrible driver. And maybe because he was thinking and not driving. And so uh, Red would come home at night and say, listen, i got to go to Austin next week. And Charlie said, God, I bet Marty would like to go with you. And he'd call me up. Marty would go, sure. Uh, what time do you want me to pick you up? And I tell people I got my undergraduate degree from the University of Texas McComb School of Business, but I got a Ph.D. in business from driving Red McCombs. <laughs> and and to, to listen and – to hear his stories and uh, and and then our relationship grew where I started doing things and I needed help on certain things uh, like SeaWorld. Uh, I, I, I we had I had to get the governor involved. Well, I'd met the governor, but Red, I said, Red, we've got to meet. I've got to meet with Mark White today because I'm scared. This was on a Friday. And I said, if I don't meet with him today, we're going to lose SeaWorld. And he gets on the phone and calls Mark White. He said, Mark, you've got to meet with Marty Winder today. And he said, listen, I can't do it. I'm in Fort Worth. i got to go to Houston. And he said, Mark, I'm telling you, you got to meet with him today. He said, well, okay. Have him in, 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 in Austin at 1 o'clock. So I, so I, I started. I said, "Red, I'm gonna drive up." No, no, no. Go straight to the airport. My plane's gonna take you up there. We're not gonna. I'm, I, you know, you're gonna get there. If it wasn't for Mark White in getting involved, we would have lost SeaWorld. Uh, when I was trying to do the freeway 151, which was our idea, and the key to it was instead of the highway department buying the land, we were gonna donate the land for the freeway. And I went to all the owners along the way do what I do, and we had 60% of the right-of-way, but I said, don't wait for the state to buy the right-of-way. It makes your property more valuable. Give it. I'm going to give it. I want you to give it. Well, I got everybody lined up except Southwest Foundation for Biomedical Research, which was a key piece. It was the middle of the freeway. And they, you know, you know, they said, listen, we're not in the real estate business, you know. So unbeknownst to me, the 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 man in charge uh, of Southwest Foundation about medical research at a board meeting said, "We this crazy guy comes to me and wants to build a freeway, wants us to give us the land, and, I, and we're just not going to do it." And Red was in the board meeting. He said, "The hell you're not. 
Hmm. I'm telling you right now, you get them on the phone and tell them you're going to give them the land. You're not going to hold up that freeway. This is not about you. It's about San Antonio. And they follow suit. So, so many things that people do not know that you would go to Red for for advice or for him to help you get a, make a contact. And I, I would not be where I am, and I wouldn't have done 90% of the deals I did if Red McCombs did not have his fingerprints on the project. You know, Josh, you touched on it a few minutes ago. Practically everybody in San Antonio knew Red in one way or another. If they went to Hemisphere, Red was one of the people that made Hemisphere happen. If they listened to WAI radio, they were listening to a clear channel station, which Red and Lowry Mays started. And if they bought a car, chances were sooner or later they bought one from Red McCombs. My wife bought her first car, a Thunderbird, from Red McCombs. So people knew Red in a lot of different ways. And, and I doubt there's anybody in this community during the time Red was active who didn't know something about Red. Of course, if you turned on the television or radio, you'd hear him on it advertising his car dealerships. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, I think I touched on this when I was emailing you all that one of the things I find so interesting is how, uh, like, the invisible ways that he touched so many lives in San Antonio, whether it's, you know, in some way being being involved with Valero being here, right, or uh, the story you just shared about SeaWorld or uh, purchasing a car or attending a Spurs game, right? You know, we have a letter to the editor from Jenny Carr, and she talks about how her love for the Spurs led her to pick up a basketball, which led to college opportunities, <laughs> which led to her, you know, being at Santa Antonio Sports Foundation. And that's, you know, um, there's an there's a invisible hand of Red McCombs in, in that. And I just wonder how often that happens. In, in, well, there would be no Spurs in San Antonio but for Red McCombs. Right. You know, Red, Red had a statement, <clears throat> there are two types of people, givers and takers. If you were a taker, Red wouldn't give you the time of day. If you were a giver and he recognized that your priority was good for San Antonio, he would bend over backwards. And he was the most giving person. Not, you know, people talk, well, you know, look, he was a billionaire. Red, it, it wasn't the money to Joe and I that we admired about Red. We admired how he got things done. He was a person who would not take no for an answer. And he was a person that when he wanted something done, it got done. He, you know, his, his, his motto was, a sports motto, we expect to win. And, and obviously, he was a winner. Marty and I were joking a few days ago, and I, I said, and he agreed, you haven't been chewed out until you've been chewed out by Red McCombs. When we were building the Spurs facility and we're going to have an election on it, uh, the chamber, as usual, set up a Blue Ribbon Committee to take a look at it and make recommendations. I got a phone call in my office from Red McCombs who said, what in the heck are you all wasting your time for? Get out there and endorse this thing today. And I said, well, Red... You remember when you were chairman that we set up these thoughtful committees that would take a look at all the facts. Red said, I don't care about that. We need to get this thing passed, and you need to endorse it yesterday. And that was the way Red was. Let's get it done today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Hmm. I, I was working on a project. I won't go into it, but I knew that it wasn't going to work, uh, and, and, but Red wanted it, me to make it stop working immediately. So I'm at a, at a 
this meeting in front of all these people, and Ren starts chewing me out about, you know, I'm already this crazy, and, you know, you got to stop it. And I knew I was going to stop it, but I wasn't going to get an argument. So 30 minutes, he was chewing me out in front of all these people, and I just kept my mouth shut. So then two weeks later, I did what I, I knew I was going to do. We stopped the project. So then I get chewed out by Nelson Wolf because he wanted the project, and he's chewing me out for 30 minutes, you know, just, you know, just calling me everything in the book. And I, you know, I didn't argue. So then I called up Red after. I said, Red, I just got chewed out 30 minutes from, from Nelson Wolf about this project. But I said, let me tell you something. He didn't hold a candle to you. I said, your <laughs> chewing out was 10 times better than his. Don't worry. <laughs> he starts laughing. He said, well, I just make sure I'm number one. All right. Well, if Nelson's watching this, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are both two larger-than-life figures. So. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Do you think uh, Red embodied something uh, as a businessman that is uh, maybe uh, – this is kind of a funny question, but generational, right? That you see a general generational change in, in kind of the combination of business and civics, uh, you know, that, um, that Red captured uh, that maybe has changed over just with time or, or how? Um, it was a different era. I mean, it was an era in which business owners and CEOs saw themselves – as responsible for taking a role in the community. And so whether it was Bartel Zachary, Old Man Zachary, or Red McCombs, or Tom Frost, or uh, half a dozen other people, that generation felt a responsibility for the community. I'm not so sure that today's generation, as time passed, feels that kind of a responsibility to the community. There has been a change from, that, from Red's generation to the one today. And I, I will tell you, the, the, uh, the thing I promised Red, my commitment to Red, was he mentored me and, and allowed me to do the things I did, have done for this community, and I love this community. My commitment to Red, that I was going to mentor younger people to follow suit. Now, I don't think there'll ever be another Red McCombs. I mean, Red McCombs... Uh, no city, no university has a person of, of Red McCombs stature. Uh, but he took the time to mentor both of us, and our job is to mentor. And I, I find I'm out looking for young people, and I have young people. Red, Red you know, t told me a story when I first started. You know, I said, listen, I want to be a business leader like you. And he said, Marty, let me explain to you something. You do not, you cannot make yourself a leader. If you want to be a leader, you got to start by being a follower. You've got to find somebody that you want to emulate and you do whatever you can. You, you know, and so that, I, you know, it didn't take me, I'm not that dumb. I, I picked red. And, and if it was driving red or carrying a suitcase or, I mean, I just followed red. And, and just sucked up as much information as I could. And he said, Marty, you'll know when you're a leader, when you turn around behind you and somebody's following you. And he said, the way you make to be a leader and make a difference is you follow. Hmm. And I lived by that statement. How do you think the community will remember Red? What do you think will stand out for people in, in, in our community? You know, Red uh, will certainly be remembered for the rest of our lives. I think he, be, he will be remembered in the community. He and Charlene's name are on a host of things here, and his name is on the business school in Austin. So there's a lot of 
physical monuments to Red. I think the really big monument to Red is his attitude, uh, his view of can-do, let's get it done today, and investing in people. I hope that's what people remember because that's what really made a difference to me personally, and I think it made a difference to Marty and a host of other people. Yeah, I, and I'm, I want to tell you something, and, and I'll, I'll watch this. You know, people say, well, <clears throat> he just puts his names on things. You know, he just buys his names on things. That's not what he does, okay? And people don't understand that, and I watched it. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, Red gave the money to the University of Texas Business Program. He didn't give them the money. It took a year for them to convince him what his money would do and how he would invest it. When they were going to build this MBA building to the Macomb School of Business, uh, Bob Rowling gave the key gift uh, to build the building, and the University of Texas wanted to put his name on the building, and he said, no, I, we, I got enough names. I don't need that. Red calls him up and said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're not doing it for you. We're doing it because people follow you. The reason why I put my name on things is because when they see my name, it's an endorsement, and I can c call up other people. They will follow me, and they will contribute to the project. And I've seen this time and time again. He is a leader and there are a lot of followers, and you're going to see a lot of them at his funeral on Monday of people who were followers and will do because they see what Red does. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some uh, reflections along those lines from people, whether it's letters or just emails to us as they look back on his life, you know. And sometimes it's in big ways, and sometimes it's actually in just small uh, small ways of just how he influenced uh, their career and encouraged them to follow a certain career path, which then led them to maybe um, not just thrive professionally, but then donate or support different causes in, in a certain way. It's been interesting to hear that. And and the thing that I liked most about Red was he was a people person and he invested in people. And and a lot of little things. It was like I was driving Red one Saturday morning, and we were, I was taking him to his office, and uh, he wanted to pick up a copy of the Express News, and, and there were two people on the corner, a, a young woman and a man, a young boy, selling the paper. So Red says, pull over, pulls out a dollar bill, and this boy just runs right in front of the girl and picks the dollar and hands him the newspaper. And Red says, Marty, stop pulls a $20 bill out of his pocket, tells the girl, I want you to come over here, gives her a $20 bill. Hmm. And and uh, I, I talked to a guy one time who was a taxi cab driver and was about ready to lose his, his car and uh, his livelihood. And he, he calls up Red, and Red fixed it for him, and the man never forgot it. And Red remembered his name. Hmm. I mean, every, you know, he'd call up Red or he'd see Red at a Spurs game, you know, and Treated him as, as if he were the king of England. Hmm. That's interesting. That's powerful. Great guy. Well, I appreciate you all speaking with us and giving some insight and reflection. You know, I, I think it's, it's well, just before we wrap up, you know, you mentioned people person. Uh, in his op-ed, Henry Cisnero said, at his heart, Red was a, a people person, you know, and that that was those connections they made were what, fueled so much of his success, you know. And I think that that's kind of stood out to me as we, you know, at, at a moment where we look at, you know, 
so much of business is like technology driven now and it almost removes people from the equation. Uh, and so they kind of hear that I think is uh, both comforting and, and refreshing, you know. Um, but anyway, I want to thank you both for speaking thank with you. us today. I, thank I you think very much. The, the one thing that Joe and I have in common that Red recognized is our love for San Antonio. But it's not the Alamo. It's not the Alamo Dome. It's not uh, the Riverwalk. It's the people. It's the people of San Antonio the Special. And Red recognized that. And Joe and I have recognized that. We love the people of San Antonio. And that's what Red, what Red did what he does or did and why Joe and I do what we do.